we have been on quite the journey over the past two episodes, haven't we? We've been talking about how we as leaders and people of influence can increase the capacity of those that we lead. We've talked about all kinds of things that we've got to do to facilitate the process of growing others. We've talked about relationships, knowing where our people are, being mindful of how we lead, not just the one, but also the larger group. We talked about the value of setting big, meaningful, and difficult goals and how calling people to accomplish something big often will be the very thing to help them overcome their inertia and spark growth. The question is, though, where do we go now? What is the next step that you and I should take to grow those around us? You know, I was reading a Harvard Business Review article the other day, and they were interviewing some very successful people across varying industries. It was an enormously diverse group of leaders, and the article was called Leaders Remember the Moments and People That Shaped Them. And one of the things that I noticed that without fail, there was a common characteristic. There was a common characteristic that all of these leaders shared across varying industries. And it was this, behind every person who makes an impact on the world is a leader who resourced them, who equipped them with the principles and tools needed to become a success. Today is all about equipping people with the right tools to position them for growth. My name is Adam Shaw, and this is is The Restorationist. Hey everybody, welcome to The Restorationist, a podcast all about helping you increase capacity and simply become a better leader. But we do it with a little bit of a twist. This is not your typical business leadership podcast. We are chasing after a specific kind of capacity for a very specific kind of leader. I want to help you become like the people that founded the early church in the book of Acts and shook their world. Well, thank you so much for listening, sharing, and subscribing. If you have not done so already, if you could please leave me a star rating and a review, that would just mean a whole lot to me, as well as that would help get the message of this podcast out there and increase its visibility to a whole bunch of brand new people. I've got some exciting things coming up. I can't wait to share with all of you. We are moving back into a season of interviews. We've got a whole bunch of interviews lined up with some incredible leaders, and I am excited to have you hear what they have to say and how their perspective and their worldview will have the ability to uh, sharpen yours and make you better. But let's talk about increasing capacity in others. And as we have been saying, as I've been saying all along, if you're growing and taking nobody with you, then you've missed the point of leadership. The point of leadership, the point of growing yourself is that you can take everything that you learn and everything that you bring into your life to make you better and you pour that into somebody else. That The joy of the journey of growth is the ability to share that with somebody else. And this leads us to our big point for today. And The big kind of overarching idea I want to break down for you in this episode is this. If you want the people you lead to increase their capacity, you need to give them what they need to grow. Now that you've worked on your relationship with them, now that you've you know you've helped stretch them and cause them to overcome their you know natural state of inertia by by reaching for big and difficult goals, now what you've got to do is you've got to equip them with the tools and the resources that they need to grow. Now, before I Talk about what all that means. I do need to put one disclaimer kind of out there for uh, for everyone, and that this does not absolve people of personal responsibility. This this idea that you are to equip people so that they can grow doesn't absolve them of the responsibility that they need to take for themselves 
to grow as well. In fact, the primary responsibility is on the individual as to whether or not they are going to grow. In the words of Dr. Henry Cloud in his amazing book, Boundaries, which you need to read if you don't if you haven't read already, here's what he says. We are responsible to but never for people. And this is so important as leaders that we understand this. We are responsible to but never for people. People are responsible for their own growth, but we are responsible to equip and resource them with the tools they need. So let's talk practically today about equipping others. It's going to be very much a nuts and bolts kind of episode. Let's talk about equipping others so that they have all the tools necessary to increase their capacity and become a better leader. And today I want to give you a template for equipping and mentoring mentoring others. But before we talk about the things that your people need to be equipped with, let's let's kind of get a strategy together, okay? So this is a perfect point if if you're not driving, uh, if you're stationary right now, for you to grab a piece of paper and a pen, uh, a fountain pen if you have one, um, uh, because. I love fountain pens. Uh, Or you can open up a note on your phone if you are uh, all super digital like that. And let's get a strategy together. We're going to compile a five-piece strategy for equipping people for growth. I believe, and you may find more, uh, you you may have some uh, different ideas about this. And if you do, please share them with me. I'm always looking to become uh, better at this myself. But I believe that there are five components of a complete equip of a person. That regardless of whatever you're trying to teach, regardless of the skill or the principle, there are five things that need to be present if you want that skill, that principle, that thing that you're trying to impart to the people that you lead and have influence over. If you want that to stick, there is a five-point strategy to the complete equipping and resourcing of an individual to increase their capacity. Let's walk through all five of those things right now. Number one is books and teaching. Books and teaching. The first step to equipping somebody well is to create an environment where they can read and learn as well as you teach them. Leaders are learners. They are. Leaders, true leaders, are continually trying to, you know, sharpen their sword and get better. Leaders are learners. I would even go so far as to say that a great leader is a great reader. And if you're, you're like, Adam, I'm not a reader. I'm not into books. Well, there's audiobooks. And so maybe you genuinely are a person that doesn't enjoy reading, but you're listening to a podcast right now. That means you're open to learning in maybe a different format. And so I would say, you know, Audible and all of the other, you know, kind of apps that are out there for audiobooks uh, should be a part of your life and a part of what you give to those you lead so they can grow. Here's what I think you need to do if you want to equip somebody under this category of books and learning. You need to develop for your team or for the people that you have influence over a capacity-increasing reading list. You need to put together a book list of the things, obviously besides the Bible, that people need to read so that they can grow. It needs to be a template so that everyone that is a part of your young adult group or everyone that's a member of your youth team or everyone that is a member of um, whatever kind of group that you are leading, that there is a set curriculum of things that they are going to read and maybe you could all read them together. You need to regularly edit and add to that list, but you need to have a capacity increasing reading list. We have a ministry mentorship program at our local church, and uh, where a senior pastor and I will take you know one or two aspiring uh, young ministers, and we'll meet with them, talk with them. But one of the things that I have always done, and uh, I have um, a two. Uh, two ministers that I start working with them when they're in their young teens. They're now locally licensed. Um, one is, uh, both of them are very involved in our local church. One is getting ready to move into the mission field. Uh, other one is is perfectly, 
you know, gifted for pastoral ministry and has got a great future here at LifePoint Church. And uh, one of the things I did with them was I plugged them into books that they needed to read. I had a list together of the stuff that they needed to read in order to grow. They're two completely different men, different personality types, and, and even different directions of their calling into the ministry. But there were some capacity-increasing books that I made sure the both of them read. You need to, for your team, have a list of books that every member of the team needs to read. Also, I would recommend it. Look at who is in your sphere of influence and make a intentional list of what they need to know in order to be effective in their calling. Also, I would say under this headline of books and teaching is have planned conversations and formal teaching sessions around leadership topics. This is one of the things that I would do with those that I would mentor in in ministry that were you know teenagers through young adult years uh, I would I would have part of regular mentorship conversations I would plan to have conversations about certain key topics with the both of them that were kind of more formal teaching sessions even if they felt like an informal conversation I thought about it I said this is a gap they need to plug this is a place they need to grow this is going to be the topic of discussion as well in our ministry mentorship classes that are run by my father. He would have those intermittently throughout the year, and there would be planned topics that uh, we would talk about, and there would be formal teaching sessions. Why should we have this? Why am I saying this is the first point? First point is that we need to be intentional about equipping. Those you lead won't just catch everything via osmosis or example, right? We need to have specific conversations and they need to be equipped with the right books and the right formal teaching sessions so that they need to grow. So what you, I can't tell you what they need to know because only you know your team. Only you know your ministry or your leadership environment or even your local church. And as such, only you as the point leader have the ability to sit down and go, okay, these are the few things that I need to impart to them through either self-directed reading with some books that I give them or some planned formal teaching sessions so that I can give them everything they need to grow. But that is only the first component of our five-part strategy for equipping a uh, equipping someone that we lead. The second thing that we need to have right alongside books and teaching is modeling. Modeling. So not only should we talk the talk as leaders, we must walk the walk. You have to intentionally incarnate the principles that you teach. I'm talking about where you live out the values, the priorities, and the stuff that you have just communicated to the team. Books and teaching instruct. And if you don't have those, you're going to have ill-equipped leaders. Books and teaching instruct, and they are essential. They impart principles, and they impart ideas. But your example allows it to take on flesh and live. Your example incarnates all of those ideas and all of those principles that you've taught, and you give them a living, breathing example of how that principle or how that idea that you have just taught actually functions in the living, breathing, complicated world. Also, there are intangibles in ministry leadership that you cannot see in a classroom but they only happen when the leader decides, I am going to embody the vision, I am going to embody the values, and I am going to embody the principles that, that I have been teaching to the best of my ability in front of these people that I lead. I am going to be over the top and obvious about how I am modeling and living my life, and I'm going to be open about how I live my life so that they can see how I am attempting to have integrity with the things that I have just taught them. The third component of a healthy equip is a network. And I have found this is often something that is underlooked or, or underutilized. We don't, we don't use this. We understand books and teaching. We understand the, the importance of a, of a good example. But this is often the part that is missing. And that is a healthy network. We need to equip people as much as possible with a good network. Here's why. People need friends. They do. 
and people need friends that are headed in the same direction that they are going. And so you need to, as much as possible, help those you are leading develop a sense of community and relationship and friendship between themselves because iron sharpens iron. But also, you need to plan to introduce them to your trusted network of friends. We all have a network of people that we love, that we admire, that we share common values. You've probably got in leadership and in ministry right now two or three friends that you can say, hey, you know what? These are awesome people. These are amazing people. These are people I go to for advice. These are people I love to bounce ideas off of. Share those people of influence that you are connected to with those that you are leading. It's, it's so important that you share your friends. One of the things that I have always done is I try to connect the guys I'm mentoring to the great leaders that I am friends with. I am blessed with a, a great, you know, I never had this. At some point, I'll talk about this in an episode. I have an episode I'm writing right now on loneliness um, where I, I didn't have a lot of friends uh, growing up. And uh, it was, you know, I had a very lonely, you know, set of teen years, uh, smaller church, no youth group. And uh, now God has blessed me with some of the most incredible friends that I could ever ask for. And one of the things that I've always tried to do is I've tried to share those friends with the people that I am leading. I have tried to do everything I can to allow their voice that has been influential in my life to also have an opportunity to speak into theirs. Now, why would I do that? Well, I would do that because I understand that people need more than me to grow. They need more than my voice. I'm not saying these other people will take the role of their pastor or take the role of of that spiritual advisor in their life. I'm just talking about a voice of teaching, a voice of training, and a good example to follow. You're not going, your calling is is not necessarily going to align with those that you are leading all of the time. They they may be called to different avenues of ministry. So, for example, I, I have someone that I have mentored in ministry that's entering into the mission field. I have done everything I could, and and they to open up my friends that are involved in missions to to that that individual and now uh, and now his wife, so that they have other people. I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm called to work here in in North America and local church pastoring and speaking and doing things like this. They're called to the mission field. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to get as many people that were a part of my circle that had a similar calling in their life to get connected to them so that they could have the opportunity to have another voice that has the same calling speak into them to help them grow. People need more than just you in order to become better. There are different personality types, whether you're a Myers-Briggs or Enneagram person, your personality is not going to click with everyone. Your life story, life experience may not resound with everyone the same way. Not to mention in your network of friends are people with varying gifts and callings and abilities that if they shared some of what they have with your group, it could change and impact the trajectory of the leaders that you influence forever. So they need a network of friends. You need to foster community within the group that you are leading. And number two, you need to open up your circle of friends to those that you are leading so they can be influenced by them and gleaned from them like you have. Number four, challenge and correction. The fourth component of a healthy equip, this is regardless of the topic being taught, is challenge and correction. No growth can happen without being tested. No growth can take place without correction. People must be challenged. Leaders must be placed in uncomfortable and stressful circumstances in order to push them to grow. Everyone has gaps, including you. I have gaps. 
And sometimes the only way that I can have my gaps addressed is when I am challenged and I'm called to stretch or when I am confronted by those that lead me. When I am confronted by those that lead me and I am told, hey, this is something you need to change. It gives me the opportunity to address something that I may not see or I may not know how to fix until I've had that confrontation. Challenge and correction is healthy and capacity increasing. So I need you to ask yourself, look at right now, look at right now the people that you are leading. What gaps do they need to close? What resources need to be in their hands to help them close that gaps? Is it a lack of maturity or a deficiency of character? If they need to mature, maybe all they need is time. If it's a deficiency of character, maybe it's an awkward conversation. I want you to hear me. Healthy confrontation is good. Sometimes we're worried that people will get offended. Maybe they'll leave. Maybe they'll say mean things. Maybe the relationship will change. You have to take yourself out of the conversation. If you're leading someone and you're genuinely for their good and God's will being perfectly formed in their, in their life and them increasing capacity and becoming the kind of leader that God wants them to become, sometimes you're going to have to have healthy confrontation. Healthy confrontation is good. People get things wrong. No one is perfect all of the time. And when they mess up, if they don't already know, you have to be the one to tell them. That is what a good leader does. A good leader is willing to have those messy and uncomfortable conversations with those that they lead in order to help them course correct, modify behavior, change something about themselves that's holding them back so that they can grow. Be gentle, be positive, speak to the God calling and the potential that's in them, but be direct. Lastly, the fifth and final component of every healthy equip is opportunity. Opportunity. So we've had books and learning. We have a healthy network. We've been modeling and trying to do our best to live by example. We have been challenging and offering good correction when necessary. The last thing that people need, regardless of the topic being taught, is opportunity. We need to give people opportunity to flex the muscles of their calling and of their gifts. Everyone has to serve. Everyone has to do grunt work. I get that. Everyone needs to mop floors, stack chairs, and plunge toilets. But at some point, we also have to give people chances to take greater leadership, greater responsibility, and grow. In every category that people need to be trained in, they need an opportunity to take what they have learned and implement that in the real world with some responsibility and some authority to execute what has been taught. Those are the five components of a healthy equip. And because we're trying to raise Book of Acts leaders, we're trying to create an environment where we have the ability to influence and shape people that can become like Peter and Paul and you know Bartholomew and Thomas and those individuals that were part of the early church that shook the world. I want to now, on the back of this strategy of growing people, I want to give you four categories, four things that you need to equip people in, four categories of, of things that you need to give people in order that they may grow, and it's going to require this five-fold strategy in each category. So number one, we need to equip people biblically and theologically. We need to equip people biblically and theologically. We've got to avoid the tendency to rush to competency. We have to avoid the rush to, here's how you do this. You know, oftentimes, especially in church ministry, there's never enough volunteers, is there? I mean, because I, I, we've never been in our church in a place where like, you know what? We really do have enough volunteers in every job. We're, we're never, you know, we're never stretched. I just feel that it is just a thing with church life and with ministry life is that there's never going to be all 
that we want to have on the team. And sometimes as a result, there's a pressure for us to rush to, here's how you can do the job, hurry up, figure out how to do the job because I'm too tired of doing all of the jobs anymore and I need someone else to help me do the job. So here's how you do this job. Here, now go and do this job. We've got to avoid that rush. We've got to slow down, pump the brakes a little bit because we must equip leaders biblically and theologically. We've got to equip leaders with a biblical worldview. I won't belabor the point. I've spoken about it in other episodes, and you've probably listened to them, or you can go to the back catalog and, and, and listen to the episodes I've spoken about worldview. But worldview is simply the story that you believe to be true, the narrative that lives inside of your head that, that answers the questions, what is right, what is wrong, what is the solution, who am I, where do I fit in the world, you know, who is God, what is God's plan for the world. It's the filter that your soul looks through as you interact with your reality. And we must shape the worldview of the next generation of leaders if we're going to see them be all that they can be for God. For our purposes today, theology and apostolic doctrine are the guardrails that govern what you will and will not do in the pursuit of success. The reason why it's so important that you as a leader equip your team, equip those that you have influence over theologically with apostolic doctrine is apostolic doctrine will become the guardrails in their life that will help them determine what they will and will not do as they pursue success in life as they pursue success in relationships, as they pursue success in ministry. Most leaders that I have met want to succeed. Most young people that are called by God want to succeed. They want to see things grow, and they are willing, they are brave and bold. They are willing to make changes to see vision realized. But as you and I both know, with all of this, there will be temptations to compromise in order to grow, in order to have success, and in order to become better. But a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation prevents that and firmly establishes the boundaries in their life that will govern their leadership and their life decisions. Now, remember the five-point strategy of a healthy equip. If you're going to equip people theologically and biblically, you need to give them books to read. You need to teach them doctrine. You need to model apostolic life and apostolic doctrine. Your lifestyle needs to scream that the principles and values that, that I have said are really important, I live by them. They need to see you speaking about apostolic doctrine. They need to see you advocating for it. In the real world, they need to see the moments when you are being tested to compromise and you're saying to them, to the team, no, we're not going in that direction because it's going to rob us of the opportunity to really be a Book of Acts church. You need to open up your network so that people you know that can speak clearly about theology and doctrine have the ability to speak to them. You need to challenge them and correct them on their theology. You need to create opportunities where there can be dialogue and you can give real-time feedback about what they believe. And then lastly, you need to provide opportunity, provide opportunity for them to be the mouthpiece of Bible theology and doctrine. The second category that you need to equip those you have influence over for is resilience for the rigors of ministry. We're called to make disciples. That means at some point, everybody we lead, everybody we have influence over, needs to be able to lead others too. They need to turn around and become a person of influence over others like we were a person of influence for them. And if they are going to be healthy in that pursuit, they need to be equipped with resilience for the rigors of ministry. Resourcing your leaders, equipping your leaders includes teaching them, modeling, challenging, correcting them to be resilient in the face of the challenges that come with leadership and ministry. Being a leader is hard. Let's just, let's just settle that, right? We all know this. We all know this. Being a leader is hard. Being effective in ministry is hard. That's because anything in life we're doing is hard. Anything that changes the world, that changes lives, that's dealing with the complexities of people and spirituality and discipleship is going to be difficult. 
And as a result, we must equip young leaders for the difficulties that inevitably lay ahead for anyone who tries to do something for God. We cannot overlook this category. We cannot turn people into theological wizards that fold at the first sign of pressure. We must teach them to endure hardness as a good soldier because leadership often is a fight. It's a fight against the world. It's a a fight against the enemy. It's a fight against their own flesh. There are all sorts of layers and dynamics that come along. Anytime you're working with people, being a leader is hard. And so we got to equip young leaders for the hardness that will come their way when they are a leader. Let me get into some specifics here. We need to teach people how to handle grief. Part of the conversations that you need to have with people should include helping them deal with grief. One of the most profound books that I have read on pastoral care was The Foundations of Pastoral Care by Bruce Peterson. It is on my capacity increasing reading list that I have for young leaders. And and for you, I I probably will post that, that reading list in the show notes. And one of the things he talked about is the stages of grief, not that, you know, grief is neat and tidy like that where, you know, you're in stage one and then so many days roll across the calendar and then you're like, oh, well, now I'm in stage two. But you need to teach people that there are, there are stages to grief. There are phases of grief. But more importantly, you need to equip them to deal with the fact that they will grieve every change and transition in their life. Middle school to high school, you grieve. High school to university, college, or the workforce, you grieve. How many young adults have churches lost because they did not know how to find themselves after high school? They did not know how to make sense of their lives when they left the youth group. Am I right? Have you not watched people struggle? Have you not watched young leaders that that had a calling of God on their life absolutely fall to pieces in a transition like everyone's like, what's wrong with them? What what's happening? How how is their faith so shaken? They're they're grieving and they don't know it. They're they're every time someone undergoes a transition in their life, they're going to deal with grief. Not every not every piece of grief comes from death. Sometimes it comes from change. It comes from your loss of normal. And so we need to help people understand that, look, there are key moments in your life where you're going to discover that the world is now infinitely more complicated than it ever was for you. And you're going to feel all emotionally discombobulated. And you're not going to be sure of yourself and where you fit. You're going to feel awkward. You're not going to know who you are. And it may challenge your faith. And I want you to know that's part of life. There's nothing wrong with you, and we're going to get through this together. We need to teach people how to handle the disappointments of when people let you down or when they backslide. Ministry is an immensely personal exercise. It's an immensely personal calling. We're dealing with the eternal souls of people. We're, we're not doctors. We're not cops. We're not paramedics, you know, that see nameless, faceless individuals and, and become involved in their life and then never to see them again. Oftentimes when you are, not that that is not a heavy calling or a heavy, you know, a heavy workload. My wife has worked in healthcare. It's, it's emotionally taxing. I'm not negating that at all. But what is unique about ministry is we, we typically deal with people from the moment they are born into the world if they're raised in church or born again into the kingdom of God. We see them all the way through the conversion, their childhood, teenage years. We are with them at every major change in life, and then sometimes people backslide. Sometimes people depart from the faith. Sometimes people fail and let you down, and it's hard to not take that personally if you have invested your life into someone. We have to teach people that ministry is personal, but they can't take it that way. That ultimately when they're rejecting church, when they're rejecting doctrine, when they're rejecting an apostolic life, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus. And even though their anger and their frustration may be directed towards us, even though their confusion may be directed towards us, ultimately, we are not the ones that they will meet when they go to heaven. It's Jesus. We have to love people and we have to give them grace 
because if we allow our emotions to get all mixed up when someone disappoints us, and if we allow our heart to become bitter when they backslide, there's no road back for them. So we have to equip people to handle the disappointments of when people let you down. We also have to equip young leaders to deal with criticism. Not everyone's going to like us. Not everyone's going to like me. And not everyone's going to like you either. We have to help people to become okay with that. For some, it will because it will be because your personality just doesn't connect with theirs. Maybe you're too much of an introvert. Maybe you're too much of an extrovert. Maybe you are you are too much of a thinker. Maybe they think that you're too dramatic and emotional. There are going to be people that just don't like you. And you've got to become okay with that and just learn to move on. You've got to equip young leaders to deal with that, especially in a culture that is obsessed and driven by likes, shares, hearts, how many followers you have, how much approval you have from the masses. You have to equip them to be okay with the fact that there are going to be some individuals that just never will like your approach. Some will be jealous of your success. Not everyone will appreciate the value you add. You need to tell them, look, if you're trying to do something big for God, you are going to be criticized at some point in your life. If you're going to be in leadership, you got to tell them, you're putting yourself out there. You're in the public eye, and the public will not always agree or understand with who you are and what you're trying to do for the Lord, and you need to become okay with that. You need to equip them on how to handle burnout. That if they start working a lot and being involved in ministry and have a major transition in their life, that if the stress in their personal life or ministry life begins to compound and they start becoming really tired all the time, the things that that used to stir their heart with such passion for God, they hate now. They, they're starting to feel like they don't want to come to church, and they're confused. They're like, what's wrong with me? Well, chances are you're burnt out. You're tired. You need to teach young leaders that there are going to be times where you're going to fly a little too close to the sun, and you're going to get burnt out, and you need to recognize the signs. Fatigue, exhaustion depression, a loss of desire, a loss of passion at times. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Chances are you just need a couple of days off, not, not from attending church, but you just need to take a break for a bit. You need to eat a snack and have a nap, and you feel so much better. It doesn't have to be a full-blown existential crisis. You need to recognize your physical body is worn out. You may be saying, Adam, why do something like that? Why talk about being criticized? Why put that out in front of people? That people aren't going to understand you, that, that people aren't going to like you, that, that burnout is real, that you're going to grieve, you're going you're to have your heart get broken, you're going to have to learn how to not become bitter at people, otherwise there's no road back for them to come to God. Why would you do something like that with someone so young? Aren't you afraid that you will destroy the purity of their outlook? People are jaded enough today, Adam. Shouldn't we just seek to preserve their idealism about the ministry and serving people? Aren't you afraid that if you tell people it's going to be hard, they won't want they won't want to serve and they won't step up? Shouldn't we lower the bar? Shouldn't we level the playing field? Well, number one, fear is a horrible motivator and an awful vision caster. And I strongly advise anyone against leading anything out of fear of the worst case possible scenario. So that doesn't resound at all. And if that and if fear should be the reason why you don't equip people for the reality of life, you need to check your motivations. We all need to check our motivations because fear doesn't take anyone anywhere good. So to answer the question, when you prepare people to be resilient, for the rigors of ministry, you don't harm their ideals, you preserve them. You preserve their view of the kingdom, and you prevent disillusionment with the ministry before it could ever sink its dirty teeth into that young leader's heart. You have the opportunity to preserve the ideal image of what the church should be. 
when you get up in front of your group or you sit down one-to-one in a coffee shop and you go, look, not everyone is, is going gonna, is gonna to love this. Not everyone is going to appreciate you. And sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to weep over people. Sometimes you're going you're gonna to say, people are going to say awful things about you as they leave the church. And you're going to have to still love, for, love them because one day they may come back and you need to be the first one to take them to the altar. Sure, not everyone is going to get you, but they didn't get Jesus either. Sure, some people are going to complain about how you lead, but they did that to Jesus too. And you know what Jesus said? Blessed are you when men shall revile you. It gives you the leader, the mentor, the opportunity to control the message. It gives you the chance to frame the challenges, the setbacks, the disappointments, the rigors that they will face anyway through a perspective of faith. You teach them to guard their hearts and protect their calling. If you want someone to hold an ideal view of kingdom life and kingdom work, you need to ground it in reality. Now, remember our strategy. That is teach and read, model, network, challenge, and provide opportunity. If you do those things, you equip people for resilience, you're going to equip them for success. Number three, The third category that you need to resource people is you need to resource their character. You need to equip their character as well as their skill level. Never equip someone's skills beyond the level of their character. Why is that? And I know I've been direct all episode, and I'm going to continue to do so uh, a little bit more. I hope that's okay. Never equip someone beyond the level of their character because it would be a shame to have skilled speakers who are lazy. It would be a shame to have skilled musicians that don't know how to serve. It would be a shame to have talented leaders that don't like to wait tables. And this is the hardest part because character is very much who someone is and it's hard to change who someone is if they are resistant to that change. But you need to equip their character because many people do not realize that ministry is work. And for some, serving is what they do after they have done the other things. And growing themselves through continued learning is what they do after they have read the fun books or watched the fun Netflix shows or, you know, done the other fun stuff. I will never forget the charge my dad gave our ministry team. It was so profound. It was so powerful. And I would recommend that if you lead a ministry team, you do that with them as well. And I know we have a number of senior pastors that listen to this. Uh, go ahead and steal. Not This is not my idea, but my dad's idea. Because it was so empowering for our team. It was so motivating for our team. Here's what he said. A vast majority of our ministry team you know, has another job outside of church. They're not paid to do their you know, they, they work, and what they do for the church is volunteer time. And he sat in front of a room of volunteers and did the one thing that, you know, some of the more modern, you know, lower the bar kind of leadership books tell you not to do. He raised the bar, and he said, I want everyone in this room to consider themselves bivocational, meaning your heart is in this so much, your, your effort is going to be in this so much, that if you could do this full-time, you would. I want you to consider yourself as bivocational and not a volunteer. Do not have an attitude of a volunteer. Have an attitude of a bivocational minister. That if you could quit and do what you do full-time today, you would. Equip their character by talking about the value of work and how hard work and sweat equity glorifies God, and makes them a better leader. Put them in environments where they are willing or they are forced to have to make sacrifices of time, of effort, energy, and entertainment for the sake of the kingdom of God. I want to give a shout-out to to, um, one young man who I've had the uh, ability to mentor over the years. His name is Jordan Ansley of Ansley Creative, which, by the way, if you ever need videos, or websites, or graphics done, Ansley Creative is, and they did not sponsor this this uh, podcast at all. But Ansley Creative is amazing. If you've been to any North American Youth Congress, I don't know, the past four or five of them, and you've thought the videos that opened the conference were pretty cool, 
They were done by these guys, by Ansley Creative. Now, remember, I would intentionally get a call of ministry in his life. He's a talented speaker, a very, very intelligent young man, avid reader. But I would deliberately, in our youth weekends, put him in charge of some of the biggest production pieces. I'd give him really big things that required a tremendous amount of effort and energy. And he would give it. He would give the time. He would come, he would leave school, and he would come work all afternoon. Go home, quickly change, come back, drum in the band, and then do all the teardown on on Sunday night. I was deliberately doing that. I was deliberately putting him into an environment where he would be forced to make a sacrifice of time, of effort, of energy, and entertainment for the sake of the kingdom of God, and he was willing to make it. As a result, his work ethic, his ability to withstand pain, the pain that comes through just pushing really hard to get something done is enormous. It's, It's massive. And here's one thing I've discovered. Hard work beats talent every day when talent refuses to work. It's, that's a famous line from an, a famous MMA gym in the United States. It's hard work beats talent every day when talent refuses to work. In other words, you may be the most talented kickboxer in the whole gym, but if you don't come in and you don't put in the work required so that you're sharp, that you're fast, you're agile, and you're powerful, somebody that does not have the athleticism or the skill or the reach or the genetic advantage will get in the ring and they will smoke you any day of the week because hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work. There is a level of pain. I want you to hear me. This is what you got to give to your team. Maybe this is what you need to hear too. There is a level of pain and sacrifice you will have to endure if you want to be successful in the kingdom of God. You have to be willing to push yourself to the limits, the limits spiritually, physically, mentally. There are going to be times in your life, I'm not saying that's the sustainable pace to go. We've already talked about dealing with burnout and taking breaks and and understanding all of that. I'm, I'm just saying, in general, we need to equip the next generation with an understanding that if you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, it is a cross that you will carry, and crosses are heavy. Equip their character with selflessness. Put them in environments where they are asked to sacrifice. Equip them with an understanding of integrity. Integrity, to me, is simply doing what you say you will do when you said you would do it. And if you fail to deliver, you own that failure. And you say, you know what? I get overwhelmed. I got busy. I got tired. No excuses. Let me fix that mistake for you right now. And as with all of our other categories... We still have the same strategy to growing character. Teach them about character. Give them books that will shape their leadership ethic and their character. Model character yourself. Open up a network of of diverse, you know, your diverse friends that have the ability to speak and model character for them. Challenge and correct the gaps that are in their character. And provide opportunity for them to show you how passionate they are for the kingdom of God, and how hard they're willing to work. Lastly, the last component that we're going to talk about today, the last category you need to equip them for is competency. Their competency. And we're talking about this last because I'm going to be honest with you, if you create the right environment, their competency will take care of itself. Their ability to do the ministry task, their ability to be a skilled speaker, a skilled musician, a skilled administrator, a skilled teacher. I mean, you name it. Pick a job, pick a category, on the, pick a thing on the team that they have to be competent for. If you have the other three in play with this five-point you know, point strategy for each one of those categories, their competence, their competency is going to be pretty good. But you do have to add value to that. You do need to round that out. And so to equip them to raise the capacity of their competency, their skill for the task, here's what you got to do as a leader. you got to ask yourself, what are their God-given gifts and talents? Not what do I want for them, not what am I good at and how can I make them good. What has God 
given them? What gifts, what abilities has God already put within side of them? What has God called them to do? And then how can I equip them to make sure that they are the best that they can be at that task? How can I leverage my influence and my leadership across the organization that I'm a part of, that I lead, so that if their core skill and their core talent is something greater, bigger, or outside of my area of responsibility, how can I plug them into another team so that they can see something else that God has equipped them with flourish and grow? If you are a speaker and you are equipping other preachers or other speakers, how can you equip them in their sermon development? How can you equip them so they can be the best they can be at sermon delivering? How can you turn them into a stellar teacher? How can you equip whatever their gift or talent is so that their competency and the confidence they have in their skill can grow? Well, thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you have found this past series of three episodes helpful and a blessing to your life in ministry. One of the great joys of running this podcast is having the opportunity to meet all of you. I've had the opportunity to connect with leaders all over the world. It really has been so inspiring to hear your story and and hear the challenges you're facing and how you're overcoming them and the call that God has placed on your life. And the whole heart and intention of this past series was simply trying to strengthen your hands so that you can multiply your influence in whatever area God has called you so that it can grow. Well, I'm so excited about the future of the podcast. The next several episodes coming up are going to be so exciting. We're launching an interview series called Women Who Lead, where we're going to be talking to influential apostolic women about their call into ministry and leadership. It's going to be awesome. I already got one interview recorded already. I can't wait for the other one. So we got more preacher interviews coming up. As always, if you could leave a star rating, leave a review, share an episode with a friend, it would mean the absolute world to me, and it would help our content get into the hands of more people. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I believe in the work God has for you. And as always, God bless you, and have a wonderful, wonderful day.